Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Believe in the Jaguars right here on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino. I am your co-host. And as always, I am joined by James Johnson from the Jaguars Wire, uh, the managing editor of the Jaguars Wire via USA Today. And Jay, once again, we are here on a Monday after another disappointing performance. This time, the Jaguars fall to the Cincinnati Bengals 33-25. to and we have a lot to get into here, uh, but before we do that, you know, how are you doing? And um, yeah, man, how are you feeling after, like I said, just another lackluster performance from our Jacksonville Jaguars? Well, if you take the Jags out of the equation, I'm good. But uh, if you put them in the equation, yeah, it, it's a rough day. And uh, we're witnessing that on Twitter and whatnot, necessarily not people coming at us, but you know, people talking about the team and what happened yesterday. So, it's, you know, the Jaguars have dropped two losses uh, consecutively to two teams that were previously winless. Uh, you know, so that doesn't do your morale any justice if you're a Jags fan heading forward. So that kind of sucks. And, you know, it, it leaves you wondering and leaves you with all of these questions heading forward as to if, you know, they just should have scrap the whole thing down and just start a total rebuild. But again, at the same time, it's still relatively early. We talked about that in the interview I did uh, with our comrades from the number one Bengals podcast, which we will get into later. So I guess like it's just too early to have that all hope is lost type of mentality. Uh, But at the same time, what we've seen so far has not been pretty and it makes you worry tremendously. Yeah, a lot of concerning things coming out of this loss to the Bengals and a lot of things that are just carrying over from week to week now that we are kind of able to uh, we're, we're going to, we're now able to identify what the real weaknesses of this team are. Uh, the first couple of weeks seem so long ago now and they seem like a little bit of an anomaly and uh, compared to what we know now. So, of course, we're going to get right into that, guys. Before we do, want to make sure to remind you guys, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts. That is one of the best ways you can support the show. Thank you so much to everybody that has gone out of their way and done so thus far. We really, really appreciate it. Along with Apple Podcasts, you can also listen to us on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can, of course, find us on Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. You can tweet the show at Believe in Jags Pod. You can find myself at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O. And Jay is over at Sports Grind underscore Dawn. Now we're going to get into the box score and the takeaways, as well as a discussion Jay had with the number one Bengals podcast as well. We had an opportunity to link up with them. Before we do that, though, I want to remind you guys that the wait is finally over. Football is back. And while you may not be at the game this year, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Jay, I'm sure you're uh, you're very aware of this, of course, with the Atlanta Braves being in the playoffs right now. But the World Series is coming up, which is great. We got the NBA Finals going on. Uh, you know, might head over to Bet Online and, and put some money down on that. Even though my track record's not great, it's still really really fun and and really easy to use. You know, from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. And there was always the online casino as well. It literally never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So Jay, let's get into this box score here. Uh, we'll look on the offensive side of things. So the Jaguars, Gardner Minshew statistically finished with a pretty solid day. 27 of 40, 351 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. James Robinson continues to impress 17 carries, 75 yards. It should have been much more than that. However, a 40-yard gain was taken away by a penalty. I'm sure we'll we'll speak on that here. DJ Chark in his first game back after missing last week, eight catches, 95 yards, and two touchdowns, just continues to establish himself as one of the best young receivers in the game. And I'm really excited for his future, Jay. Uh, LaVisca Chenault also had a solid game, five catches, 86 yards. 
Keelan Cole, four catches, 46 yards. Chris Conley got going again a little bit after a really rough Thursday night. So offensively, I mean, if you, if you I think if you looked at this game and looked at just the statistics, Jay, without looking at the score, you probably think they were relatively competitive and had a pretty successful day on the offensive side of things. What were your takeaways when you looked at how the team performed on the offensive side of the football? Yeah, when you, you look at it in total, uh, totality, what the offense did, uh, and it wasn't perfect by any means, but it feels like, you know, if they didn't have such a, uh, you know, terrible defense, it, it probably would have been enough on, you know, most occasions. It felt like it would have been, uh, again, you know, like they, they weren't perfect. There were times where, you know, Gardner Minshew, you know, his issues in the pocket continue to flare up in terms of, uh, you know, seeing phantom pressure and, and whatnot. And, of course, when you start doing that, you start missing reads and whatnot. But ultimately, he had statistically a good day. And, you know, he does feel like, at least from what we saw the, uh, yesterday on Sunday, week four, uh, that he does feel like a quarterback that you can win with. But, again, and we'll get into this, Problem is you got a defense that's uh, allowing 500 yards, 400 yards, 300 yards, or whatever the case may be, and allowing over 30 points a game. And, you know, that's just kind of hard to compete with. Uh, that being said, uh, the standouts to me, of course, uh, James Robinson, who you mentioned, uh, just continues to be something that the team as a whole is not, and that's consistent. And I think that's a good thing to have, at least out of one player, because whenever they get their act together, whether that's this year or next year, one guy that you will be able to to depend on, at least from what we've seen early in his career, is James Robson. And LaVisca Chenault is also showing that uh, level of consistency as well. Um, I know he had a kind of an off game against the Miami Dolphins, but still, nonetheless, like for the most part, his his predominant body of work has been pretty consistent. And then, like you said, the impact of having DJ Chark back because the the receiving group is so complementary to each other. And when he's not there at the top, they kind of struggle and Minshew kind of struggles as well. But I mean, like just his impact and having him back was just seen right off the bat. And that connection with Gardner Minshew was, was pretty excellent as well. I know you saw the first touchdown was a nice bread basket throw in the back of the end zone that he kind of Minshew put right there and allowed Chart to do a little bit of toe drag swag before he went out of bounds. I mean, like, you know, if the Jaguars win this game, that's a highlight play that's going on ESPN um, later on in the night or whatever the case may be. And, you know, people are making a bigger deal out of that play. But being that the defense played so terribly, uh, things like that got overshadowed and uh, rightfully so because, you know, Todd Wash and his group does need to step up. Yeah, and I tweeted this out, I think, on the Thursday night game, wondering how frustrating it must be for Minshew to have to continue to dig his team out of these holes because the defense isn't helping them out at all. And, you know, I think we're going to get into Todd Wash here in a minute. And a lot of people, of course, on Jaguar Twitter are are calling for his removal because it's just not working. And Jay, I think you pointed this out. Doug Marone's decision to stick with Todd Wash is probably what's going to get him fired. It, barring some kind of magical turnaround, Doug Marone is most likely coaching for his next job, is what I would assume. Because, and I tweeted this out yesterday during the or after the game, the schedule, and we've talked about this, I think, weekly, Jay, the schedule's not getting any easier for sure. So we'll definitely see... What happens as the season progresses? I know I saw a clip of DJ Chark after the game uh, speaking during his presser, and you can just see the look of disappointment in his face because he's a great player, and he's definitely, I'm sure, not used to losing at this type of clip. Remember that that famous clip of Jalen, I think, in his first or second year of just being him voicing, like just being tired of losing. You know, and as much as they want to be here, I'm sure right now things are, are looking good. They've, they're they trying to update the culture of the team and install this brand new vision of the Jaguars. But eventually players get tired of losing. It's bad for the psyche. But I think both of us can speak on that, you know, dating back to when we were, we were playing sports in high school. You, you don't like to lose. It's a bad feeling. And when it's happening over and over again and you feel kind of helpless, then that takes a toll and it eventually makes players want to go somewhere else. So I'm not saying that's going to, that's not, I'm not saying in any way that that is going through DJ Chark's mind, but eventually, you know, who knows what kind of toll this, this may take. 
Yeah, so I think the reason why we're seeing Minshew so flustered too is because, as I mentioned in the last podcast, Phil, I feel like if the Jaguars' defense continues at the rate that it will, and there is nothing that shows that they will improve that much, basically they will play the Jacksonville Jaguars or they could play the Jacksonville Jaguars into a top five, four, three pick, uh, maybe even less than that. And for Gardner Minshew, that would almost mean that the coaching staff is gone as well and a new regime comes in here. They're looking at that high draft pick. They're looking at these quarterbacks that are in striking range. You know, if the defense plays them into the top five or, uh, you know, a higher pick than that. And, you know, they might consider a quarterback. So from that perspective, it is frustrating for him. And, you know, when you look at his overall body of work, you know, for the most part, you could say, yeah, the Jaguars can win with Gardner Minshew. But the next regime is going to say, well, these guys, and I think, I'm, you know, this is just my opinion. These guys are, you know, once in a decade type of prospects. As good as, you know, what Gardner Minshew put together with that past regime, we want our own guy for one. And we just feel like these guys are just too good to pass up to be uh, within this kind of striking range. And, you know, that could be an issue. Not saying that'll be the case, but, you know, that's something that, Gardner could be thinking about that's something that I think about routinely uh, but again I think in the end what really will tell the story with Gardner and uh, you know there's plenty of time for this coaching staff to turn it around even though it looks like uh, they might be fired by the end of the year or when the end of the year comes but I think the thing to watch with Gardner again is how does he finish is he a top 12 quarterback statistically in terms of that and how does he fare against these elite defenses um, like, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, the Baltimore Ravens, and so on and so forth. Right, and neither of us are saying Gardner Minshew is a bad quarterback. What he may not be, though, is a top-tier quarterback, and that's what you need to win in this league. I mean, look at the other side of things for the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow, for all intents and purposes, early on, looks like the re- real deal, right? He looks incredibly, incredibly talented, incredibly uh, comfortable back there. And he's just a winner. And not to say that Gardner Minshew isn't, but if you can get better at that position, the most important position in sports, then you take that opportunity. You know, speaking of Joe Burrow, when we look at that side of things, uh, the offensive side of things for the Bengals, 25 or 36, 300 yards, one touchdown and one interception. You know, when you look at the touchdowns and the interceptions, it's not jumping off of the the stat sheet, but you can just, I, I feel like you could tell that there was a significant difference in talent and ability when you looked at Joe Burrow out there compared to what Gardner Minshew did you see something did you see uh, a major difference in that when you looked at the two quarterbacks play yesterday yeah well first what I'll say too is to add into the equation what we were saying about Minshew and you know the draft which again like you don't want to look that far out too is you know some front offices and Dave Caldwell has even said this but other front offices feel this way as well but Uh, basically it's easier to build a defense than it is to build an offense. Uh, So, you know, albeit it's the defense that's struggling, you know, it's just that value on the quarterback position that makes it worth looking at when you're, you know, in that top part of the NFL draft. And yeah, with Joe Burrow, I was impressed with him still because while it wasn't eye popping stats and, you know, he did have the one pick, but I think like really a lot of people aren't holding that pick against him really uh, because, you know, the, those picks in the end zone, like, that was a kind of ticky-tack in some people's opinion. It just kind of varies. But when you look at it, when he dropped back in the pocket, he, you know, he was surgical in a way. He was surgical like Gardner Minshew was week one against the Indianapolis Colts. And when he can survey the field and had time, drop back in the pocket, he took advantage of, you know, the holes in coverage, whatever the case may be, um, made great reads, so on and so forth. And he's going to be a problem for the league, man. Um, the the more and more experience he gets. And yeah, he's a guy that you could tell like the traits of a franchise quarterback are there for sure. And, um, you know, he'll be a guy, you know, that'll be exciting to watch from this point on, you know, when he's not playing the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. And then another guy that actually you talked about, Jay, when we had an opportunity to join uh, the guys over there at the number one Bengals podcast, Joe Mixon had a big day, 25 carries, 151 yards, Two touchdowns on the ground and then also added on another through the air where he had six catches for 30 yards. Boyd had seven catches for 90 yards. T. Higgins, four catches for 77. 
So as you mentioned, Jay, offensively, you know, the Bengals just looked really solid uh, on the defensive side of things for the Jaguars. Uh, another solid day for Miles Jack until he did go out with that injury. He did have that great athletic, just good football play interception uh, there over in the end zone. And then in terms of tackles, uh, Josh Jones led the way uh, with 11. Dewey Wingard uh, chip in with 10 tackles on his end. Joe Schobert, I saw, was getting some criticism uh, over on Jaguar Twitter. Jay, if you want to talk on that a little bit, I have not had an opportunity to go back and watch the film quite yet. Um, CJ Henderson went out with an injury as well. Always a bad thing when you see your tight end on the defensive side of things with one tackle, of course, that came after the interception. Uh, But defensively, again, Jay, against a really young team, uh, a team that was winless at the time, uh, looked really good against a Jaguar defense led by Todd Wash that continues to just be incredibly disappointing. I know we touched on them already a little bit, but defensively, I mean, what the heck is going on? Uh, Well, first and foremost, I would say, and again, I haven't gotten a chance to look back at the film either, but first and foremost, I think um, what is clear is that Todd Wash is a guy that's not going to flourish with elite talent. You know, Calais Campbell is gone. Marcel Darius is gone. He's got a lot of young bucks on that defensive line, um, aside from Avery Jones. And the Jaguars should have considered that when they went into this season, which is why, you know, I was a fan of them um, parting ways with him, just as they did with uh, John Filippo. They shouldn't let Todd Wash go as well. And I didn't understand Doug Marone's decision to keep him. And Todd Wash, I admittedly, was a guy that, uh, you know, some years ago I was high on. And I'm embarrassed to admit that after what we've seen transpire over the course of the years. But it's clear now that, you know, he's just a guy that's not going to flourish if there isn't elite talent on that line. And again, just not to repeat myself, but the Jacksonville Jaguars, if they were going to go into this situation with a real young defense, they should have changed defensive coordinators and somebody who can maximize the most out of young talent and you know, Todd Wash is a guy that at times, you know, you've seen him get good play. And I mean, this has been the case a lot of his career out of guys like Yannick Ngakwe and, and so on and so forth. But what we're seeing now is maybe that was because he was getting a lot of good young play out of a uh, good play out of the young players because they had elite talents next to them. So, again, I think possibly the Jacksonville Jaguars should have just got somebody who would have been a little bit more innovative. Uh, somebody who could just, you know, maximize the talent that they have, which is, you know, predominantly young and inexperienced. And there are teams out there that are having more success with the Jacks that have young defenses. And that's what the issue is in itself. You know, you see they're not really getting this interior push that they're hoping for. Uh, you know, Caleb on Chason and Josh Allen have been pretty much ineffective. They're not winning one-on-one matchups when they blitz. They're not making it home either. Literally nothing they're trying isn't working. And also, as you alluded to, they have injuries to deal with with Deshaun Watson on the schedule next. Uh, that is a recipe for disaster. And I don't think anybody's looking forward to next week against the Houston Texans. Nobody but the Houston Texans, right? <laughs> I mean, we have this opportunity now uh, to give uh, the third straight team its first victory of the year, if I recall correctly. The Dolphins were winless. Bengals were winless. And then now the uh, the Houston Texans are winless as well as we'll go into the battle for last place in the AFC South. I will say, Jay, if if, if we were in the AFC, uh, the NFC East, we'd be looking pretty good right now. We'd be right in the in the thick of things. Yeah. Yeah. That division, you know, as bad as the Jaguars and the Texans have been. Uh, yeah. That division there is kind of the laughing stock this year of football, to say the least. Yeah, I think Odell Beckham actually just scored again. Uh, if I if I saw that correctly, <laughs> just just scored again against my Cowboys. He went off, man, and it was it was it was insane to watch. And we're not going to get into the Cowboys. I'll get. <laughs> it was a rough weekend sports wise for me. The uh, the Longhorns uh, lost to TCU. Jacksonville, of course, lost to the Bengals, and the Cowboys just got trounced uh, by the Cleveland Browns. But you know, Jay, that's uh, as far as the box score and the takeaways. I mean. I don't know if there's anything else you wanted you wanted to touch on, but like you said, it's just a rough day all around. Uh, but I know you did have an opportunity to speak with the guys uh, over at the Number One Bengals podcast here earlier today. Uh, you know what was that conversation like? If you want to go ahead and, and we'll transition to that. Yeah, um, Mr. McDuke and and Doctor Hoji are uh, two knowledgeable guys of of football. Uh, so 
that being said, like they gave me a lot of great insight on the Bengals, which me that's mainly what I was targeting, just some insight on the Bengals, because at this point everybody know about the Jazz because me and you are equally informative of the team. So, you know, I kind of wanted to more so not just look at the game itself from Sunday, uh, but more so the outlook for the Bengals past this, you know, their thoughts on Joe Burrow, who was the first overall pick, their thoughts on the outlook of the defense as well, which hasn't uh, really helped out Burrow, kind of similar situation to us. And also, uh, you know, the future of Coach Zach Taylor, who just got there last year. And, uh, you know, was a disciple of the uh, Sean McVay tree. So without further ado, we'll get into that clip. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is your man, James Johnson, a.k.a. at SportsGrind underscore Don here, uh, doing a little bit of a recap slash behind enemy lines uh, with our comrades from the Believe Podcast Network on the Bengals number one podcast uh, they cover the Bengals as well for Cincy Jungle, if I'm not mistaken. And that's the SB Nation site that you all could check out. And, uh, yeah, look at their analysis and whatnot after they flat out handed it to the Jags this Sunday and got their first victory. Uh, so that being said, let me introduce them real quick. Uh, basically, this is going to be an interview. Uh, Phil has some things to take care of right now. So it's going to be me and our comrades, as I said, from the Believe Podcast Network, who I'm about to introduce. And starting with uh, Daddy-O, I'm going to start with you real quick. How are you doing, my man? Um, congratulations on the first win. And, um, yeah, man, feel free to introduce yourself. Well, thank you. I mean, you did a great job, as always, James. I mean, you are a true professional podcaster. Uh, just one thing, we also have a YouTube channel. It's actually where all of this kind of started. We start, started on YouTube, so that is DNH Sports. You can check us out. We like to chat. We like to have guests, Bengals players, analysts, media people, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, we're over there, and we had James and Phil on the show last time. It was an excellent, very fun show, so make sure to check that out. Yeah, yeah, and Dr. Haji, how are you as well? By yeah, the way, yeah, thank you, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm very good. You know, I'm feeling good. It's been, it's been a long time since we had uh, our annual Bengals win, and so uh, we had one this year, and it was nice. And we, I can't look forward to next year when we can have our next, uh, next win. Yeah, it, it feels like uh, <laughs> we, we play each other every year, so that might be the case next year. We'll see. But yep, as everybody knows, the Cincinnati Bengals were victorious. Got their first win, as I said, over the Jacksonville Jaguars, 33-25. to 25. Uh, We are in a very somber mood in terms of the Jacksonville Jaguars side, probably not so much for the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, but we are going to recap the game here. And my first question I have to ask, uh, because I haven't gone back and looked at the film, but I've watched it initially when it was live. Uh, clearly, guys, Joe Mixon and Burrow, clearly flat out just, you know, they were the keys to the offense here. How do you feel about their overall performances? Because Mixon, it seems like, and we talked about this in your podcast, it seems like he was kind of struggling, uh, but seems that he may have found his footing here. And if I can recall, the announcer said that he was struggling last year to begin the season two and kind of found his footing. So this seems like a, a, a identical pattern here as opposed, uh, as opposed to last year when uh, you know he had a similar kind of pattern. And also, if you would... Uh, where does this game, because, you know, this is probably going to make Jazz fans angry, but when you look at Burrow's body of work so far in the NFL, where exactly does this game rank in comparison to his others? Um, I guess I'll start with Dr. Haji on this. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for, for starting with me. I will say, like, Mixon is your, is is the kind of running back. He's, he's a very classical style running back. He he needs the offensive line to to make the holes for him usually and if they do then he does well. And so it 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 often seems like he gets his act together late in the season but really what it is is the offensive line which is a which is a is a, a persistent problem in our in, 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 on our team has been for, for years but it's really really probably at its worst it's been in a while this year. Uh, the, the, it was the offensive line that really got its act together this year. So we saw a different level of play from Mixon because Mixon's not the kind of guy to make his own holes. And so he, once they do that, he does really well. And uh, and that's my that's my take on Mixon. So I think as long as the offensive line works, and, and no offense to the Jags out there, the offensive line seems to have worked because of who we were playing. So I don't think it's going to look like that against the Ravens next week. Um, 
That's mixing. Joe Burrow, uh, I think it, the, the amazing thing about Joe, Joe Burrow, if I may brag for just a fanboy for just a minute here, is that the, the kid is learning on every play and in every game. He looks different every game. He, every game is, he plays, he's better than the previous. He's becoming an NFL player. And he's got the talent. He's got this unbelievable, unrivaled talent. He's unlike anybody we've ever seen on our team. And and, and I really think he's he's a once in a decade type quarterback. What he seems to have learned against you guys, and what really looked different, is he was playing much more conservatively. He was he was um, throwing the ball quicker. He was uh, there were there were of course more runs, giving him more opportunities for careful kinds of plays. And he was doing less of the improv improvisations that were getting him hurt. He only got. Uh, he only got hit uh, uh, five times. Four times, yeah. One sack. Four times, four times, five times. He, he got one sack. And uh, and so I think what we're seeing is him growing and learning. Uh, sure, Daddy has got more intelligent things to say than I, but uh, that that's my two cents. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm always hoping to grow and learn myself. Uh, unfortunately, I stopped growing a long time ago. But, you know, on our show, we have a policy of never agreeing with one another. And part of that is goes back to our rivalry. We are from different parts of the same village. And obviously, right. you know, his village poses an economic burden on us. And we have to always accommodate right, them. We but, right, we developed their, their region. But also, it's also for the ratings, if I'm being honest, James. We always have to disagree because if you notice the highest rated shows is people are fighting. And so we, we like to right. fight. But on your show, uh, you know, I, I do hope you have good ratings. But uh, I'm going to agree with him. Mixon goes as the offensive line goes. He's that type of running back. And most running backs are. I mean, you have the rare exception. You have a Barry Sanders. You have, a, I don't know, uh, you know, Nick Chubb did well with the bad line last year with the Browns. I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't happen that often, right? But Mixon is a bigger back. And he, he kind of, you know, he's, he can be a little bit uh, little bit too shifty sometimes and not hitting the holes maybe as hard as he goes. But here, here is my theory of what happened. The Bengals offensive line lacks talent, okay? But lacking talent is one problem. Lacking consistency and cohesiveness is a whole other problem. And offensive yeah. lines sometimes are not that talented, but they function as a unit. And the Bengals offensive line this year, until last week, until the, yesterday's game against you, did not function as a unit. Why is that? Because this revolving door at right guard. And so what happened is they put in the old familiar face in Alex Redmond, who is not talented. And he's, you know, he, he actually invited him on the show. He didn't come on the show. So that's a bad sign. But he, you know, he, um, he, he there is a chemistry there. There is a familiarity there playing with Bobby Hart next to him. You know, that, that's very important. And so something happened yesterday, both the pass pro and the rushing game where Mixon had a great game. And Joe Burrow was not hit. It's, it, it, I don't agree that people say, oh, it's the Jaguars. Look, the Jaguars, James, as you know better than I do, they shut down Derrick Henry, basically. You know, 25 carries, 84 yards, that's not that great. And then the next week, you know, against Gaskin, 22 carries, 66 yards, that's nothing to write home about. They're not terrible at rush defense at all. Even if, they're, like you were saying, I know the interior defensive line is not great, but they were holding firm against uh, opposing rushers. Against the Bengals, they broke down. So the Bengals, like I said, we have the talent at the running back. We have the standard quarterback. And the offensive line is, eh. We have a couple of red, you know, Trey Hopkins is very talented. You know, Johnny Williams is, is emerging. Um, but then you, you, you know, add the cohesiveness and the familiarity, and it kind of took off. That's my theory. Yeah, S similar, very similar to my theory. It's very strange, James. It's very, very strange. strange. Very strange. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. The um, with a lot of what you guys said, especially the cohesiveness for offensive lines, uh, sometimes it's not about having the talent and having elite talents because when you look league wide, right, a lot of teams don't have elite offensive lines aside from like the Cowboys, and uh, you know maybe like the Baltimore Ravens and a couple other teams that may come to mind, maybe you know the Saints and and guys like those and. Aside from those teams, you know, a lot of teams can be average to mediocre just alone off of camaraderie, and they can get by with that. And um, I think that is what you guys saw because the Jacksonville Jaguars offensive line kind of falls in that category too uh, with the Bengals offensive line. They haven't been all that great, but when they play together, the results are pretty good. And we saw that week one against the Indianapolis Colts. So uh, I completely agree with you on that. Um, in terms of you know, the defensive performance, Todd Wash, uh, people in Jacksonville want him out. And that's the defensive coordinator, by the way. They want him out ASAP because of a lot of what we've discussed. You know, the Bengals offensive line came into this equation 
uh, struggling mightily. And as you all threw out in the figures, you know, Joe Burrow wasn't bothered or hit all that much. And people are feeling that, you know, that's inexcusable. Albeit you all made some good points about, you know, how we perform against Derrick Henry and um, the Dolphins in terms of rushers. Uh, Gaskin, I think, was the one that y'all mentioned as well. So uh, still, nonetheless, you know, that's just kind of been Todd Wash's thing. He's been struggling lately. And, you know, they just look flat out lost against an offensive line that they probably should not have. And that's not to discredit the Cincinnati Bengals because they went out there and flat out whooped us. And, uh, you know, hopefully for you guys, with us out of the way, that continues into the rest of the season. And, uh, you know, it would be a shocker to see y'all beat the Baltimore Ravens. But, you know, that's a, a defeat that I would definitely be game for, you know, as much of a shocker as it would be. I would like to see that, albeit uh, I am a big Lamar Jackson fan, but I'm always down for some uh, good old fashioned upsets yeah. uh, in football. So, I mean, yeah, you know, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this, James. Hoji and others are probably going to think I'm crazy. But yeah. with Burrow, I think all things are possible. We could beat the, yeah. we could beat the Ravens. We could beat anybody. You never On know. The if the rest of the team is competent. I, look, I watched this game again. I, I don't think the Jags defense is that bad. Burrow was putting the ball precisely where it had to go. Even on the plays, even in the incompletions, even on the interception. Every pass by him was pinpoint accuracy from what I saw. It was am- I can't remember seeing a quarterback yeah. dishing yeah. so many dimes. I just can't. Yeah. And with yeah. that, you know, it's a quarterback. Look, a quarterback is like half the team. I mean, the success you have a quarterback is like is a big part of not just the offense, but it's how the defense is energized and how much they can, how long they're on the field. And so I think with Burrow, I don't think we're going to win against the Ravens, but it is possible just because it of is. Burrow. It is. Yeah. And let me say this. Let me say this. Uh, with, on the other end, on the defensive end, the Cincinnati Bengals this year, it, you can tell that defensively, this was a team that has been basically redesigned to play Lamar Jackson. Like this is like the hires that they made, the moves that they, the moves that they made, the DJ emphasized tackling. Made. Yeah. A lot of guys that are good at tackling, even at the corner position. Yeah. Even yep. at the corner and, you, and it did. And it didn't pay off against Chubb and the, and the Browns. It didn't didn't click at that point. And Geno Atkins, of course, is out. But it clicked against you guys. It clicked against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And you saw the the way that they were able to stop. What I I've always thought that the Jags had a very decent running game, uh, uh, with the, with the Robinson and the and the, and the you know. But but they were able to stop them. And so that that bodes well. Uh, for uh, for for facing, I'm not saying, of course, Lamar Jackson is their running game, but I'm saying that because he escapes the pocket and you have to be able to stop him and worry about the running game, uh, it bodes well, hopefully, for next week for at least a close game. And yeah, as Dadio said, all the games they've had this year, most of the games that the Bengals have done this year have been really close. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, I just look, because James has been so gracious in, in praising yeah. our team and, and all yeah. this. Yeah. I want to yeah, say, please. if I was a Jaguars fan, I wouldn't be that worried about this loss. I know we put up a lot of points and we got a big lead, but you guys kept, you know, you you, you hung around and you have some playmakers. I mean, this DJ Shark or Shark, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I've never seen him play before yesterday. And he had two plays were just eye-popping plays. Eye-popping plays. I mean, his adjustment to his feet, we're getting in the end zone, you know, getting the touchdown. He is a, he's going to be a big time talent, this guy, right? Yeah. yeah and yeah. Uh, James Robinson was making even Gardner. I mean, Gardner had that early interception. A lot of quarterbacks were like, oh, so this is going to be one of those days. He's going to throw another two interceptions, just hang his head. But Gardner, you know, he had that, he had that fortitude, mental fortitude. He hung around and, you know, they picked up some points here and there. They were within, you know, within, within range late in the game. So, uh, you know, that's one thing. And then, like like uh, Hoji said, the Bengals have been in every game basically, except that Browns one. It was out of reach. You know, we got some garbage time points, but we've been kind of there every game. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, we just, you know, what it is, James? We don't know how to win. We won this one because we had a big lead, but we don't know how to close because we're a young team, and the coaches are, you know, our head coach is young and inexperienced. So we're learning how to have that killer mentality. That is what we're learning. And uh, so, in other words, the Bengals, I think that they do have talent, and I do think that they could beat anybody. So, the Jaguars, I don't think this should be, this should not be a sign that their season's over, that they're tanking, yeah. anything like that. Yeah. No, and let me, let me also just put a little bit of a, a, a sunny, a sunny silver lining on your, uh, on your rainbow here, because uh, the, the, obviously, Minshew 2, Minshew Part 2, is not the kind of uh, quarterback that's going to get you very excited. 
Um, but we had our own venture in, in, in Andy Dalton. And you can win with someone with that level of talent. Uh, he's 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 got he's a mid range talent. He's he's he can get the job done. So uh, I, I I think that uh, that there is hope for the the, the Jags. Well, Minshew has more of the leadership. He's more of a leader than Dalton. Let's be honest. He has more. I, I meant a throwing talent. You know, I mean, I know he won the arm of the year or whatever. But I mean, say what we've seen in the NFL. Yeah. You know, Minshew looks good. I mean, we'll see. Looks but yeah, you have yeah, time. You have the whole year to do that. You know, and then figure it out next year. You're going to get one of the top two quarterbacks if you know. But you know. Uh, Jaguars look like a honestly they they I, they earn my respect and like I said that shark guy amazing yeah sharks good yeah yeah that's a uh, high praise from you guys uh because you know if if uh the Jaguars fans heard this like live you know they wouldn't be trying to hear it but you guys do make some good points there um about you know not exactly losing all hope on the season and um you know as you said uh Daddy O the you know, Chark is somebody I've long praised, uh, top four deep threat in football, in my opinion. You know, he just plays in the Jacksonville market where people don't get a lot of exposure to him. But he was a pro bowler last year. He has a top four deep threat a connection with Gardner Minshew as well. As You know, as much as people harp on Minshew's arm strength, that deep ball connection with DJ Chark is pretty good and pretty sound. And um, it was good to have him back on the field because he previously missed week three, which kind of hurt the team tremendously but uh yeah you know that guy he they got to re-sign him next year point blank period it'll be uh i think the third or the fourth year on his contract so he'll be eligible for extension no way i don't see them not re-signing him or extending him should i say next year um in terms of gardner you guys made a lot of good points about him as well uh with the ability and the mental fortitude to get over mistakes he's that's something that people have praised him for um, and also, you know, with him and you, you guys really hit it on the head with him is the Jacksonville Jaguars are never out of games with him. You know, there's always a right. chance that they can win if their defense shows up on the other side of the, you know, feel like years ago, it was the other way around. The defense had to get us such a good lead with Blake Bortles that Blake Bortles wouldn't board, uh, that he wouldn't blow the lead. So Right. This is significantly different. This is like polar opposites of Bortles. And I mean, while he had his mistakes and he has, you know, some pocket presence issues, uh, you know, this Gardner Minshew is far from the worst thing that happened yesterday. Right. And, and Gardner Minshew, like you all said, you can win with what he has or what he has put up uh, if the defense is there. Uh, so that being said, I'm going to move on to my next question because I know you guys were saying you were low on time, but we could talk all day, but I'm, I'm going to let you all get along. Um, and uh, uh, my next question actually is on Zach Taylor. I want to know about him a little bit more because wow. coming into this thing, he was a guy I was very interested in. He's a Sean McVay disciple, if I'm not mistaken, a very young coach. If you guys would real quick, I know you guys had some interesting things to say about him on your podcast uh, would you talk about him and how do you all envision the future with him? Like, do you all think like before the end of the year he could be gone? Or, I mean, of course, we know there's plenty of football left to be played. But what are your thoughts on what the job he's done so far and his camaraderie uh, with Joe Burrow? Because we know that's the key in terms of a franchise is that, you know, head coach to quarterback relationship. Or in this case, he's an offensive mind, too, and his connection with Burrow. Uh, what are your yeah. thoughts on his future in Cincinnati? Well, I'll say this, James. He doesn't really have to worry about this year. The expectations were low. And the Bengals yeah. are not one of those franchises that's like, you know, if you don't win, we're going to get rid of you right away. They wait until the fans force them to cut somebody, to move some, you know, to, to, to replace somebody. When it comes to coaches, for sure, you know, because you have to replace the whole coaching staff. You know, you have to change all the name tags and all the. It's very expensive to bring in a new coaching staff, and Mike Brown is very smart when it comes to spending money. But I will say this, uh, Zach Taylor. Let me tell you. You said Joe Burrow. You said how does he 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 you know work with Joe Burrow? How much do they get along? All that kind of stuff. What I've kind of picked up is, and I don't want to put Tyron Lou down, but he was a young assistant. You know, had relatively young, inexperienced. He became head coach of a powerhouse team and with the you know, the greatest player, LeBron James, all that kind of stuff. And he and he did he did his own part to help the team. Don't get me wrong, but at the same time, they, LeBron James, even if Tyron Lue had deficiencies, he was like, "It's okay. 
because I would make up for those. I would be the coach. I would determine the nature of the offensive, you know, whatever, play sets and all that we got. And I think with Joe Burrow, it's that same mentality. It's like, I don't really need a top-notch coach. You know what I mean? I just need someone I can work with who lets me have the freedom to kind of do my own kind of a stuff. And so I don't think Joe Burrow would have a problem. But what I have gathered about Zach Taylor is that the players do like him and they do believe in him and they do work hard for him. And I don't know if it's, I, I think it's more about his personality. He, he seems to be like a bright guy, open-minded guy on top of his stuff. But he has so much inexperience with the play calling, with the, using the timeouts, all the kind of stuff. And I think they believe that he will grow. And, I, and as a result, I do too. His biggest problem was the creativity. And you'd expect him to be so creative, you know, but very uncreative play calling, bad plays like, you know, running on second and 10, all that kind of stuff. And he's learning. He learned. And so against the Jaguars, he was more creative. He was more, you know, let's say up-tempo. He was a smarter. And so I think he's a project. And I think players believe in him. And, and, and Joe Burrow is like, I can work with him. And so therefore, I'm okay with him. And I'm sure he's going to be around at least another two years now. If he if he wins two games a year for another two years, yeah, he'll be gone. But other than that, no. Yeah, yeah, and I got the second everything that you said there. I mean, personality wise, people love him. If you notice, uh, Joe Burrow speaks about him on a first name basis. He says Zach said this, Zach said that. He doesn't say Coach Zach. So you you know, he's a young coach. Uh, he's good at bringing people together, but there's much more to coaching than that. His uh, his time management skills this year had been had been atrocious, really. Uh, using the, the the timeouts in the wrong way. And it was weird that the one game where he did a really good job with clock management was against the Jags. So that means that maybe he's learning. Uh, I think the main problem that we have with him, as Dadio said, is the play calling. Hasn't been great. Hasn't been creative. There, we, I will say when we had Jay Gruden as our offensive uh, coordinator, there was so much creativity and, and interesting things going on. Uh, those days are gone. Even Hugh Jackson was pretty creative. Though he did some strange things, um, but but Zach, uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty. He's got he's got to do something new, really. And the last thing I'd say about Zach is uh, he his uh, his unabashed and unwavering support for Jim Turner as the offensive line coach. It makes no sense to me. I mean, I, I mean, we had a great offensive line coach in Frank Pollock. That's fine. You want to change management, whatever. I do not understand the relationship. They were together in Miami. Uh, but he's a young coach, and who knows? Maybe he knows something we don't. Yeah, so that's my two cents on that. Okay. One. Okay, yeah. Interesting names y'all brought up there, too, in uh, Jay Gruden, who uh, Jacksonville has been very happy with, by the way, for the most yeah. part. And I don't think nobody, if you were to ask anybody in Jacksonville, they wouldn't pinpoint him as a guy necessarily that is the issue here. Of course, as I said he's earlier, great. they have a more of a bone with Todd Wash and the defensive side of things, but... You know, people like week one against the Colts, people right off the rip started calling Jay Gruden the best offensive play caller we've had in Jacksonville probably ever or since yeah. the 90s. So, yeah, that's, a, you know what I'm saying? Like that kind of just adds on to what we were feeling about him. And, uh, you know, again, once again, while we did lose more optimism in terms of the uh, the outlook um, based off of some of the things you guys have said and uh, sent praise towards the Jaguars offense's way. So lastly, I'm going to let you guys go. I got one last question I want to ask about the defense. Uh, you know, they made plays where they had to against the Jacksonville Jaguars, not necessarily, you know, a, a groundbreaking performance, but I want to know your thoughts on um, that unit overall. I know this offseason, if I can recall, you guys added, I know DJ Reader, who I was very high on. He's a guy that eats space well and eats double teams well. Uh, like what he did when he was with our former rivals or with our rivals in the Texans. Uh, Von Bell, I think you all added. Uh, it was a few other defensive backs. Was it uh, LaShawn Sims? I right. think. Yeah. Well, and uh, I think it was, I'm missing one, Mackenzie, like Alexander. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, then, so would, yeah. yeah. Talk about that overall unit in terms of what you saw from them on Sunday, as well as just kind of the outlook for them heading forward. Yeah, well, I mean, really, Jesse Bates was the star. You know, what I mean, Jesse Bates had some big, big time plays. He deflected the pass that led to the Jordan Evans interception early in the game, and he had a key breakup of a Tyler Eifert pass. He's a guy we drafted, but he's a real one. You know, as they say in our village, he, he, yeah. he, he has heart. He Man. has competitiveness. And, and, and a couple of weeks ago, he said, uh, this defense, if it doesn't get its act together, 
they are going to they're going to be people aren't going to be here these guys are not going to be here and everybody's like what is he so it's like they're going to cut people they're going to trade people he was basically saying we are embarrassing and i think that he is the heart he's still young i think he's like his third year but uh, he is emerging as the heart of the defense we're playing without our, our original hearts our best player Gino Atkins. We're playing without him. We get yeah. him back, and he's healthy, and he's he's is still the same Gino Atkins. Yeah, this defense could actually have some bites, and not just oh my have gosh. yeah, not have yeah. spotty performances. But uh, right. but yeah, but the the new additions have not, you know, Mackenzie. I would be pretty good, Vaughn. But I mean, I guess they've been okay. You know, they haven't really yeah. caught my eye too much, making too many big plays. But you know, overall, we were so bad last year that yeah. We, you can tell the talent level has been raised with the new addition. DJ Reader, though, DJ Reader, yeah, DJ Reader has been a huge addition. He's been he's been great in the in the run uh, defense. I, yeah. yeah, just a quick comment here. As I mentioned before, this is a defense that's mostly designed for the Ravens uh, in with the Ravens in mind. Believe it or not, I really do think that strategically that's the case. So our guys are quick. Uh, the defense is quick. It's fast. It's not strong. We don't have a lot of strength in tackling and a lot of strength. You don't see, you might have seen them, like they look like sometimes, you know, the, the Robinson was kind of dragging our guys along, you know, like, uh, but they're, they're not, the, we, we, got, we got to work on the tackling, uh, but they are strong young men. Uh, Gino Atkins is the heart, I agree. Uh, before that, we used to have a man named Vontes Perfect. He was the heart, but he gave us a kind of a bad reputation. One thing I'm glad about is that we've seen to, we seem to have shaken off that reputation of being a bad boy team, which is nice. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, this team with Gino is going to look totally different because you got your Gino, yeah. you got the triumvirate, you got your Gino, you got your, uh, your Carlos Dunlap, and now you have your DJ Reader. I mean, that's that's really a powerful combo. Yeah, when he's when when Hoji talks about the tagline, I agree. But I will say that's mostly, I think, mostly with the with the linebacker core. Our line, we didn't have linebackers last year, to be honest. It was like we didn't even have linebackers. Uh, this year, we have you know we have some. We added some rookies. They're quicker guys. Yeah, they're not the biggest guys. So I agree that could be the problem. Our, the guy we're relying on is Josh Bynes, but he's a veteran and you know he's 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 not doesn't have the same quickness that you'd want. So yeah, I think the linebacking could be improved. And I think the rookies will come along eventually. But you know, overall, I think uh, you guys look solid, and we just were the better team on that day. But I don't think the Jaguars should uh, feel bad. The Jaguars fans. By the way, I mean you guys have an owner, Shad Khan. Who amazing, oh, amazing mustache, Great, but also that guy, that guy, that guy will spend money. So once you get the yeah. young core that he believes in, like he did the last time, he, he spends the money, he builds around him. You guys could be back in the AFC Championship in, in no time. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I will say you. There was a saying in our village that you can tell the size of a man's generosity by the size of his mustache. And and this man has a great mustache. He's got a powerful mustache. Uh, I see beautiful things in the future of your team just because of that mustache so yeah uh, yeah <laughs> you guys are hilarious for real like a lot of people probably again going back to what i said a lot of people may disagree with shot Khan. they're kind of disappointed in him right now but one thing that they aren't disappointed with shot Khan, as you guys said is his ability to spin as as a yeah. matter of fact at 12 30 today i think they're doing us um, something with the uh, city in terms of explaining what they're going to do in terms of making additions to their stadium. So that's going to be interesting. That just, that just kind of goes hand in hand with what you all mentioned with the yeah. uh, his, his willingness to spend and, and what have you. But uh, I think it's more so the product on the field that fans have been mad with. Uh, but, you know, yeah. we'll see. Time will tell with Shotgun. He's still kind of a relatively new owner, if you will. Yeah. If you look at right. We know, James, we call it. We call it in our village, we call it uh, big mustache energy. That's what it's called, yeah. actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I like it. And it's funny because it's very clear that Mike Brown has small mustache energy. It's true. And, and, uh, and it's very clear that I don't know if you, you can't see me right now, but I have big mustache. I have the big mustache. And it's actually yeah. I am protected from the viruses implants. in the air. Filter. Yeah. Well, it, but it protects yeah, me from anything. Yeah. yeah. But no, I mean, it's nice to have an owner in Shah Khan who I think he makes like auto parts or I forgot what it is. He actually makes money, right? Mike Brown has to hold on to money. Well, it's true. I mean, we, we, we joke, we joke, but basically, uh, the Brown, the Mike Brown's income is the Cincinnati Bengals. That's why he doesn't want to yeah. spend. Yeah, that's so, a problem, and that's the same problem the Cardinals. That's the same problem Cardinals had. Yeah, I mean, you know, James, like this last offseason, he has spent one hundred fifty million dollars. Okay, big deal. First time ever, he did something like that, and he did it because we're yeah. getting Burrow, and I think maybe he was worried. But I don't know, but. 
here's the thing, James. That's the money people see. That's the salary cap money. There's a lot of other money that goes into a team, whether it's the facilities, whether it's the coaches, whether it's the scouting. And that is a lot of what determines the culture of a team. And so the Bengals, if you yeah. see, they're always having these meltdowns. It's because the Bengals are always taking the front, the front office is always taking these shortcuts to just get the final product out there such that fans can say, oh, they're trying. But we know that a winning football team, there's a lot more involved. And it's nice to have an owner in Shotgun. Maybe he doesn't know what he's doing. Like you said, he's still relatively new, but he's trying. So if he lands, you know, if he happens upon you know, a, a great coach and a great quarterback eventually, you know, it'll be easy to build a contender with him. You know, like, like, like Kraft. Like Kraft got lucky with Belichick in a way. He got lucky with Brady in a way. But he had the money to do something with that, you know? And, and yeah, and I think Shad Khan is, yeah. Shad Khan has you that guys, kind of It'll pay off one day. Yeah, a lot. Of, I agree with uh, a lot of all of that, guys. So uh, that being said, uh, if you all would, uh, Daddy O, I'll just have you do this if you want. Uh, sure. Feel free to plug your handles one more time and let us know sure. and let the people know where they can find all of your stuff, your info, yeah. your podcast, your work on the site with CincyJungle.com and whatever else you may want to plug. Sure. I, I, the Cincy Jungle, you can just find me. I won't plug that too much because I don't make money off of your clicks. But uh, the YouTube channel, yeah, it's just DNH Sports. And we have the podcast, Believe in the Number One Bengals Podcast. We're, we're with, like James, we're on the Believe Podcast Network. And H, the And H Sports. The And H Sports, yes. And uh, yeah, that is our stuff. And you can find us on Twitter. I'm Dadio, at Dadio De Facto, and he's at Hoji Smoji. Yeah, we really appreciate your, your patronage. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no problem. No problem at all. Um, and hopefully, you know, like you all said, we can meet up again and have another conversation next year. Love but that. Uh, that will do it for our guests this week. Again, like we didn't do behind the lines, so we wanted to get you guys on to talk some football. Appreciate you all coming on. And uh, yeah, you all have a good one. You too. All right, thanks. thanks for having us, James. Yeah, a lot of great insight there, Jay, from you and the guys over at the Number One Bengals podcast. So make sure you check them out. And we also had the opportunity to hop on their show just last week. So check that out as well. Uh, we were unable to link up with them for Behind Enemy Lines uh, before the game, uh, but we were really happy or that uh, Jay was able to link up with them here earlier this morning. Uh, we will, of course, do everything in our power to make sure we get a Texans guest on, which we have a couple of leads on, so we're pretty sure that is going to happen. Um, but yeah, a lot of really great things, and I'm interested to see where the Bengals go from here. Of course, they have the quarterback, it seems, and the jury's still out on the coach, but we'll see what happens. But, Jay, we're going to wrap up this episode here shortly. Let's give out some game balls, which we do each and every single week. On offense, I think, it, well, we actually had a couple of contenders here, right? We just, we discussed about maybe giving it to James Robinson for the third week in a row. Uh, we talked about giving it to LaVisca Chenault, who had a great game. Um, until he did go out with that hamstring injury, which was listed on the injury report. So that's something we need to keep an eye on. But we ultimately gave it to DJ Chark. Once again, uh, looking at his box score here, eight catches, 95 yards, and the two touchdowns. Jay, like you said, that toe drag would have probably been, you know, one of the best plays of the weekend had, uh, had the Jaguars ended up winning the game. But DJ Chark comes back and immediately makes his presence felt. And, you know, we're just... Really fortunate to have that guy. I mean, it was really great to see him back. Yeah, yeah, man. I was telling uh, 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 Mac Duke and uh, and Doc on my podcast. On, I mean, I'm, excuse me, on their podcast that uh, you know DJ Chark they, because they praised him as well. They were like, you know, we really hadn't seen a lot of this guy. We haven't been able to watch the Jags like that. And I, was, you know, my comments was, look, man, as soon as January the first hit or whenever they're eligible to re-sign him or extend him, should I say, because he's coming up on uh, the end of the third year of his contract. The Jacksonville Jaguars need to have a deal in place and give it, give him whatever he wants because DJ Chark has been phenomenal for this offense. You heard Jay Gruden praise him as well uh, and, and, you know, his ability and what he brings to the table. I've long praised him. Um, you've also long praised him was glad to have him back and I guess you know with that game week three we didn't really know how much of an impact it would have for them not to have him because we were so busy and caught up in the fact that it was the Dolphins and then lo and behold without him they really uh crapped the bed so you know his presence was uh, his presence was felt instantly when he came back and uh yeah can't wait to see what kind of season that he puts up this year after uh you know going to the Pro Bowl last year 
Yeah, a lot of big things coming for DJ Chark, and we hope that he just gets that national appeal that I think he's more than worthy of. I, I feel like he's definitely, he should be in this conversation with guys like DK Metcalf, the young receivers they have over there on the Steelers. I feel like he belongs, uh, Calvin Ridley, he belongs in this discussion of young up-and-coming receivers, and he continues to prove that week after week. So I hope they put a little respect on his name going forward. I know you saw that uh, that chain he had too, right, Jay, the with the shark. I know you saw the drip. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, he he's worn it before in like photo shoots. So yeah, man. Like you know, that's that's what you get to do when you're good as as DJ Shark. You know, hopefully this podcast money can pop off like that because uh, <laughs> you know I want to own a few chains of my own to be honest with you. Well, to the producers over at Believe, if you are listening, you heard it right there. Jay and I want custom chains. Uh, along with that PlayStation 5 that you guys promised us over on Twitter. That is public knowledge. It is out there, and uh, everyone's watching. So just so you know, uh, let's look at the defensive side of things here, Jay. And while a whole lot didn't go right, Miles Jack continues to play lights out. Unfortunately, we did see him leave the game. It looked like an ankle injury, I believe. I'm not 100% sure. But, of course, he had that great interception in the end zone and, and just continues to look great overall in his more natural fit over at that outside linebacker position. So uh, we're going to give the defensive ball to Miles Jack, game ball to Miles Jack for just another really great performance. So, yeah, with Miles, man, he's been playing at a very high elite level um, especially if you look at the pro football focus numbers, I think he was in the 90s in terms of his overall grade or something like that. Uh, but he's playing like a defensive player of the year caliber type of player, if you will, since that move to weak side linebacker, which I mean, I guess we're not like technically surprised by it because uh, we always have known of his ability. Uh, we just always thought, you know, he was misplaced when he was playing Mike linebacker and he's now found a home. And he could do that at a very high level. So, yeah, um, Miles Jack, even had he played on one ankle, uh, is a guy that, you know, it, it feels like we still could have gave him the game ball on, on one ankle uh, because he's been just that good and the rest of the defense has been just that bad. So uh, kudos to him holding it down at that linebacker spot because, uh, as you mentioned previously, Joe Schobert hasn't been looking all that good and, I mean, it's becoming to be or it's starting to become concerning. So we'll monitor that as time goes on. But uh, yeah, Miles Jack definitely deserving of the game ball. Yeah, before we wrap up, Jay, what do you think that is with Joe Schobert? Do you think it's him just trying to learn this system? Do you think he's just not being put in the right positions? Do you think it's an instinct thing? What is it do you think? I hate to end on a negative note, but what is going on with Joe Schobert? Because you and I really talked him up over the off season because some people were writing it off because he came from Cleveland, but we talked about it. He's a, you know, he was a pro bowler. He's a legitimate a solid player and a starter in this league. What do you think it's been early on with Joe? It's really hard to say what it has been with Joe. And again, you know, I, I'm going to have to, you know, I've only watched initial games this year. Really haven't really gotten time to break down the film, unfortunately, because that's just the busy life we live with USA Today and, and believe. Uh, but yeah, like I, one thing I can say is it's probably not scheme because, you know, the Jaguars don't do all that much extravagantly in terms of, you know, tie wash and so on and so forth, which is an issue in itself. So, I mean, like, you know, it's not a lot to necessarily learn or it's not this huge expansive playbook or whatever the case may be. Uh, but again, you know, when I dive into the film a little bit deeper, I recorded the game on YouTube TV. So, um, this time, this will be the first time I actually go back to look at it. Um, although I did have game pads for a little while, but I don't anymore. But I'll go back and look at it. And uh, yeah, maybe we could check back in on the fans with that. Yeah, a little underwhelming and disappointing thus far, to say the least. Of course, the season is still young. We got to remember we're only four games in. Um, but when you're just looking for any shred of positivity or anything to look forward to, we certainly thought that Joe Schobert would be on that list. Uh, but I mean, as far as that goes, Jay, um, you know, really shout out to the number one Bengals podcast for joining you earlier today. As we mentioned, we are going to get an episode up later this week again, so we can preview the game with the Houston Texans. You know, as Jay mentioned, you know, last week uh, was just really busy. So we do apologize for not getting uh, the Bang a Bengals related episode up sooner. But we really appreciate your patience and all of your support thus far. 
Uh, but that being said, Jay, we're going to wrap it up here. What does everyone have to look forward to other than, you know, what I mentioned as far as an episode later this week? Uh, but what's going on over at the Jaguars wire? Yeah, we got to, um, you know, unfortunately for me, but fortunate for the fans, you know, I got to relive the moment and get some more content up on some, you know, some takeaways on the game from Sunday against the Bengals. Uh, I'm currently working on good, bad, and the ugly, which should be out in about 20 minutes after this recording. Um, and we'll probably, you know, do some other posts looking back at the game, evaluating what went down. Also, you know, the news with Lot J came out, so we'll discuss that probably in the next pod. But that the discussions in terms of that on the Jaguars wire will probably be up within today or tomorrow, what have you, as, you know, they made some announcements on that end uh, because, you know, that's something that me and Phil have, uh, we focused on a little bit heavily here in terms of that aspect of the business side of the Jacksonville Jaguars as well. So, yeah, look forward to that as well. And um, as always, you all know where you can find the content, jaguarswire.usatoday.com at sportsgrind underscore Don for me and at Phil the Filipino for you. That's all right, guys. And again, if you're enjoying the show, if you could head over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe and leave a five-star review. That is one of the best ways you can support us, along with subscribing and following on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can also find us on Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. And then you can find us on Believe.com and at Believe Podcast as part of that awesome Believe Podcast library. One last time, you can tweet the show at Believe in Jags Pod. And again, guys, thank you so much. Remember, guys, to stay safe out there. Wear your mask if you're going out in public. Not 100% sure why that is such a controversial statement, but here we are in the Believe Jack and the Jaguars podcast making a statement. Wear your, wear your dang mask. All right, guys, we'll see you next time. Once again, I'm Phil Smith. That is James Johnson. This has been the Believe in the Jaguars podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. We believe. Do you? We'll see you next time, you guys. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.